Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Present and Productive Podcast. Today's episode shares my learnings about going on a silent retreat. If you are curious about what a silent retreat is or what it would be like, um, I was too until a couple of months ago, and I'm thrilled to have gotten some thoughts down for you on um, what it was like to do a silent retreat and what happens during a silent retreat um, and the six big learnings that I brought back home from the monastery into everyday life. This is gonna be a fun episode full of some research and lots of stories. So uh, buckle in for a great one. <laughs> um, but before we get started, welcome to the Present and Productive podcast. I'm your host, Leva Hendren, strategy consultant by day, musician by night, turned behavior design coach. My focus is on joyful productivity. I believe that when we're truly present, finding joy in our work, that's when we can start loving our dreams into life and aligning our best intentions with how we spend our time. Thank you so much for being here. My goal is that by the end of today's episode, you'll have inspiration and insight into the role that silence plays in your life without necessarily needing to do a silent retreat <laughs> if you don't have the time. All right, so let's dive into today's episode live again um, and on video for those of you on YouTube or Spotify from my porch, really fun. So um, a couple of months ago in early March, the first week of March, I arrived at the Abbey of Gethsemane. It's a beautiful Abbey in Kentucky. Um, where the monk Thomas Merton used to reside. And in fact, I brought for you <laughs> an anthology of his poems. If you ever want to check out Thomas Merton, he writes some beautiful poems. This was just one anthology um, reflecting his, his spiritual life with the rest of the world, which is truly outstanding. So I decided to do a retreat at this abbey um, when I arrived, I was so lucky I got the best room, literally the best rooms. There's a guest house and kind of like a, a hotel. Each room or a cell, as you would call it, it wasn't like a prison cell, but it just had bare bones, a desk, a bed, a little toilet and a chair, um, kind of like a little dorm room. Mine was the best because it had the nicest view. At the very top, I had a map of the ground. So the monastery was adjacent to the guest house. Then there was a little chapel and there were all kinds of walking grounds. And I had one schedule on a sheet of paper. The schedule included the meal times and the times of worship services. So once I got settled in my room, I was free to put everything down and do whatever I pleased. This was um, a Christian or a Catholic. They're, Catholic monks at the Abbey of Gethsemane. And I was free to um, attend services if I wanted, which the monks sing, they sing the seven hours, um, or I was free to do whatever I wish. So I ended up attending the very first service. And then I just was in my own silence. It was really funny because I brought literally a whole canvas L.O. beanbag worth of books, an entire shelf, writing materials, and um, I hardly used any of it, but I just had in my 
apart this idea that I'd be spending a lot of time reading and writing. That was a big reason why I wanted to come on the silent retreat in the first place. I just thought, wouldn't it be great to take a break from the chaos of work and errands and just have a whole week in a different environment, walking around in nature, very beginning tendrils of spring were sprouting, which was such a gift. Um, but I, I didn't end up doing very much writing <laughs> or reading as it, it would turn out. Um, anyway, and I wanted to share with you this quote from Thomas Merton, to entertain silence in the heart and listen for the voice of God, to pray for your own discovery. Those are some of the reasons uh, we might go on a silent retreat. They certainly were what I ended up experiencing. So um, I'm going to share a little bit of my takeaways. But just before I do that, I wanted to share some of the neurosilence on but neurosilence, neurosilence on silence. Why silence specifically can be such a gift for your brain, for your creativity, for your work. Um, recent studies out of Duke University found that two hours of silence per day helped encourage cell development in the hippocampus part of the brain. That's the part that creates um, memories and you know helps us retain information more. The World Health Organization actually has classified being surrounded by noise um, as you know harmful to our immune systems, which I think is really fascinating because when you're in that constant, constantly having to filter noise in your brain, there's a level of stress uh, that can be wearing chronically over time. And then there's a really cool, amazing research at NYU, New York University, where 20 meditators went into fMRIs. And um, the study found that those meditators have an ability to experience a harmonious feeling, feeling at one with the environment, because they can better activate their internal processing and external processing neural networks simultaneously, unlike us normal people, uh, which was really fascinating. So when it comes to the neuroscience of silence, I knew that there was a lot of research about its benefits, and I was really excited to try it out. Um, the, my six key takeaways. Number one, permission to do nothing. <laughs> this one was really hard, but it was a big takeaway. Sometimes it's vital to give yourself permission to do nothing. It took me about 36 hours to really settle into the retreat. 36 hours. I thought it might just take a, a couple of hours. No, 30, <laughs> it truly was a day and a half um, to really settle in and for my impulse and urge to fill my whole schedule with things to die down and for the voice in my head to go silence. But it was really cool. My aura ring um, let me track my heart rate variability and I could see that my heart rate really shifted. In fact, my aura ring thought that I was literally sleeping all day because I was that calm. It was just absolutely amazing. And the deeper in silence that I went into, the quieter that stressy, anxious voice became just really, really neat. Um, so number one, though, permission to do nothing was hard. 
and it takes time. It's not like flipping a switch. Number two, my second big takeaway was really savoring and prioritizing flow mode over task mode. If you've listened to the podcast before, you might be familiar with this flow mode, meaning when we're accessing the creative flow or other forms of flow as talked about by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi over task mode, where we're just executing, focusing on our to-do list, getting um, boom, 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 one thing off the list after another. Flow mode um, is a little more organic as you're kind of moving from one activity to the next without hurry, without worry. And um, I definitely enjoyed the opportunity to spend the whole week in flow mode. It was like experiencing the world in a whole new way. In fact, the more deeply I was in flow mode, the more active my senses became, which was really fantastic. Like I, I felt as if I could see every blade of grass and hear every bird song, every leaf crinkling as it rolled down the hill. It was just absolutely incredible. Um, those kind of enhanced abilities or ignited feeling of sensation, it actually reminded me of uh, when I've heard other people talk about using psychedelics. That, that real intensity of, of colors and of sounds and of taste and of touch, it was really cool. And I felt less like I was, um, you know, I wasn't in planning or executing mode. So even preparing my own meals, it felt more like I was responding and flowing a really gentle, natural form of activity, which was super cool. Number three, um, third big takeaway was giving ourselves space for change. This is a really big one. So if you are um, one of my clients, you may know that with, with my coaching clients, as we look at planning and productivity, a big takeaway is proactively creating margin or space in your schedule that can absorb disruption um, or, or give you that kind of flexibility. And along the same lines, the retreat really gave space in the schedule of my year for me to absorb change. I had had a lot of change in a really quick amount of time. Um, and I was just curious if I given myself enough space to kind of absorb all the change. I wanted to let myself clear, you know, any emotions and grief that I had been working through. And I know you can't rush that process, but it was such a gift to give myself that time to really accept um, the reality that can feel very disappointing and hurtful with grief and practice also being compassionate with myself by allowing um, myself to just have space for absorbing the change, kind of integrating it, um, moving forward. So that was really neat. Key takeaway number four was learn to love being alone. Um, I think that sometimes a fear of being alone can be one of the greatest obstacles to truly finding presence. And then we fill up our lives with everything that we possibly can just to fill up that empty space. But sometimes being alone helps us deepen our ability to be present, to know what our core values are and to live those core values. And it's super easy in our culture <laughs> to just get busy. Our, our culture of glorified busyness where being busy is seen as a premium, but learning to love being alone is such a skill because at the end of the day, wherever you are, there you are with yourself. 
Um, so the retreat gave me an opportunity to really get curious about how it felt to just be alone with myself um, and what was lighting me up and just where I was as a human. Which brings me to number um, five, listen to your desires. <laughs> it was really funny, but being in the retreat space gave me a huge opportunity to really think deeply about what was bringing me joy or maybe feel deeply about what was bringing me joy. Um, it just turns out that a lot of things that habitually would have brought me joy, like um, flowers usually bring me a lot of joy and they just weren't doing it for me this year. You know, so my desires really changed. And sometimes when we're in task mode, it's hard for us to access our deeper, our deeper, our deeper intuition about our desires. It also can be hard when we're in task mode and we're really busy to have the space to dream and really listen to what our desires. And I truly believe that um, when we're not acting out of our ego or defensiveness or trying to match other people's definitions of success, our heart's desires, when they're aligned, are fundamentally good. And they're guiding us towards our purpose, towards our calling in the world. Um, so having some silence in the space to really listen to your desires gives you an opportunity to show up with intention, which I believe is a sacred act. And it gave me the opportunity to reflect on where my deepest purpose was meeting the need in my life at that time. So number six, the very last key takeaway, one of my favorites, present over perfect. Um, present over perfect. I did not hold myself to the standard of being a monk. I did not go to every service. I was not totally silent the entire time and I actually on the five-day retreat I ended up deciding to come home Thursday evening a little bit early because I just felt totally complete with my experience honestly I was starving by that point because I just was ready to come home and cook my own meal <laughs> um, so I just enjoyed the opportunity to let go of any perfectionism and listen to my voice and focus instead on really being present moment to moment on having an intention and then surrendering that best intention to the present moment over trying to control everything and make it perfect, which of course is such a, a hard, hard thing to let go of. So um, with that, I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap of those six takeaways from the retreat. And I hope it maybe has inspired you to reconsider how you're thinking about silence and being alone um, and the value that it can have in your life. So recap, my first big key takeaway was permission to do nothing. Number two was flow mode over task mode. Number three is create space for change. Four, learn to love being alone. Five, listen to your desire. And six, may or may not be my favorite, present over perfect. With that, I've prepared a couple of fun reflection questions for you. So if you wanna dig deeper, bust out your journal or just um, think about these questions about how silence may play a deeper role in your life. 
Do you ever give yourself permission to do nothing? I know that's a super hard one for me. If not, when might you be able to schedule silence uh, into your daily, weekly, or monthly routine? Two, what's the balance of time that you're spending right now in flow mode versus in task mode? And how do you think you might be able to shift that balance so you can enjoy more time in the flow mode, which is so nourishing for your brain? Three, if you've had a lot of change in your life recently, how might you show more compassion towards yourself in this busy season? Is it by giving yourself space or are there other tools and resources that could help you absorb the shock factor of a lot of change? Um, four, what do you love doing alone right now? Could you go out on a date alone with yourself? How could you add a little more retreat and alone time just for you into your busy schedule? Five, what's bringing you joy right now? And has it shifted or evolved over time? Which is also pretty fascinating. And then finally, um, six, how can you slow down and focus on fully being present? Is there one activity or place in your life where it would be really powerful to focus on presence over getting it perfect. Maybe it's slowing down at dinner or showing up with a loved one or really slowing down at work. Just invite you to think about any of those questions. And as always, I know those were a lot of questions. Um, use the ones that serve you. I'm humbly offering them for your consideration. And if they don't resonate with you, don't use them. You can always go back. They'll be here waiting for you in this episode and in the show notes. So um, thank you so much for listening to this President Productive Podcast episode. This episode is like super jam-packed with some research, personal stories, and a lot of great takeaways that are near and dear to my heart. Every time I create a podcast episode, my goal is to serve you with insight and inspiration to better align your mind with how you spend your time. So my request is if this episode spoke to you, please consider sharing it with a friend or a coworker who might benefit from these positive, supportive messages. I'm so grateful that you're a part of the President Productive community. And until next time, know that I'm cheering you on your journey.